Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly Alexander, and joining us on the show this week is an amazing trio of young ladies known as The Heels. They've recently released a socially conscious song called Holy Coast, and we can't wait to chat with them all about it. Canadian Musician Magazine is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, and we're joined by its founder, Jim Norris, to discuss its past, present, and future, not to mention the current state of the music industry. Our music editor, Sharon Hyland, returns talking about Taylor Swift's new song, Me, and we also have new music for you from Taylor Swift, Sunreal, and Pink. Right now, though, we're very happy to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show, Bobby Smith, Brittany Dominelli, and Kyla Rollins, better known as The Heels, who have recently released their song, Holy Coast. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. So the last time we spoke was in the fall of 2017. So I want to ask you, what has the last year and a half been like for you as a trio? Do you feel sort of more in tune with one another on stage, also musically what you're producing? Yeah, back in 2017, we were recording our first album, so we hadn't even released that yet. Yeah, so I think uh, now, this this is Bobby, I think now we've um, we've definitely spent the last year and a bit really crafting a stage show, um, like all of our new music into the show and, you know, choreography and just really, yeah, new instrumentation. So we definitely want to have you know, the album, but then when people come see the live show to leave being like, wow, I'm so glad that I went and, and saw it like, the, like have an experience. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like nowadays that is the challenge is to get the fans out of their house, at least in Vancouver mm-hmm. it is and get them to come to your show. Yeah. So for us, it was like, what can we do to really like make the, this the best show possible? Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about the preparation for a stage show? Because I think a lot of us don't realize just the amount of work that has to go in it. Like, for example, I'm a huge fan of Janet Jackson's. And obviously, she is like a, a big pop artist and has like eight dancers with her. And so you kind of realize that mm-hmm. with her, she's going to have like, you know, lots of lighting effects and like all this kind of stuff that's going on, not to mention all the choreography. But I think, you know, some people thinking of a country act might think, well, they just stand there and play their guitars and like that. It. So can you give us a little sense about, you know, just the amount of work that has to go into making sure you guys look awesome and, and are ready to go on stage? Yeah, we've uh, we actually hired a choreographer for one of our songs, which is our music video that's online that you can see. Um, so we try to make each song a little bit different on stage. I think there's like the whole band aspect of it, too. We have our band leader that does a lot of um, work with us as well. Yeah, we usually start with the song and we'll start working out the harmonies and making sure that there's uh, like an interesting trade-off of parts. And then once we kind of build things vocally, then we look at how things look. Uh, And then with that, we work with our band leader and how we can choreograph our interactions for, you know, the transitions of the song, but just like instrumentals and solos with engaging with the band and the audience. And so mm-hmm. there's definitely, we, we do rehearsing with each other, with our vocals, um, at least once a week. And then we also do rehearsing with our band multiple times before the festival season starts. And then we also do a, a rehearsal that's in front of like a mirrored wall. And that's just focused on the choreography and sort of the stage presence side of things. So there's definitely a lot of practicing. (laughs) And there's like the balance of keeping things natural and in the moment, but also having those key moments that we create beforehand. Yeah. So, and the, the transitions I think for artists can be sort of the, you can, you can get up and have a song rehearsed 
amazing. But that that time when the music stopped, then you have to you know, engage and speak to the audience can be sort of the hardest for, for new artists, I think. And that was what this year really taught us was how to to talk to the crowd um, versus just talking at the crowd. Yeah, include them in the show. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. That's awesome. I really, I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys talked about that because, yeah, I've been to some shows where the artists are fine when they're in song and then in between it's painful. So I think yeah. <laughs> I think it's important people realize that there's a lot going on. And just, just a, a further note to that, um, explain the importance of your set list and the order that it's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like creating story of their show. Yeah, and a feel, a vibe, so that things kind of start and they lift off and they keep building. Um, I remember a show I'll never forget was going to see Sarah McLaughlin in Vancouver and her whole set um, like on the stage was it began in the evening and then everything changed and there was like a moon and then at the very end of the show the sun came up and that was just like for me that's where the goal is when we have those big stage setups and Mm -hmm. things that really surprise you yeah that's amazing I think with our songs the way that they transition it's it's always like you want to do those big like heartfelt ballads at shows but then you're also worried like is this going to put a lull in the set yeah. and so and then we've also added some new cover songs to our set because I think as songwriters we always want to sing our own songs but it is important when you're a new artist yeah to just be able to grab people with those songs that they're really familiar with so we've got stuff that is country but we've also got some rock covers and just like really classic, classic. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. those ones that get you like up and dancing. partying yeah well yeah. oh, that's awesome can you give me a couple of names of some of the covers you guys are doing uh acdc shook me all night long we've got shania twain any man of mine that's awesome um, Ladies, I can't yeah, believe this. This is great. Random. When are you coming to Montreal? <laughs> this is what needs to happen. I'm waiting for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep telling you, you got to come here. Now, I uh, I wanted to talk yeah. to you about your your latest single. It's called Holy Coast, and I'm going to let you explain it. But I just want to say in advance, I think it's wonderful that you guys have done this socially conscious song. So uh, please explain to my audience what it's all about. Uh, Holy Coast. We we started as a band, just writing together and singing together to feel good. And we were all kind of going through a tough time. Um, Healing. Yeah. And and so we were healing ourselves with music, just needing after work to feel good. And then eventually we uh, branded the band, the heels, like high heels, um, because we had really found this like big, newfound empowerment and confidence and it matched our our music that we were making um but we always kind of circle back when we're songwriting to you know what what kind of song can we write that would be healing that answers to the roots of this band and so when we were writing this one we were with some west coast artists and we were in a hotel room that overlooked the ocean and we were just talking about where the heels started and um one of our co-writers jody on the song she mentioned that she had an idea about the healing power of nature and how um, she had this quote, the the water, the sun, and the Holy Coast, um, which mirrored the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and uh, the kind of just release and uh, like cleansing that nature can do similar to um, like a a spiritual experience. And so we kind of took that uh, path and just like dove into the song from there. And as West Coast women, it was uh, an easy kind of um, like something to pull from because we all grew up 
with the water in front of us, like on different islands and on the west coast of, of BC. So um, the song itself, we eventually wanted to release it because it just, it meant so much to us. And it's hard as an independent artist, you get really pushed to only record things that are maybe like an up-tempo radio release. And there isn't always enough money in the budget to do every single song that you want to do. And so it was just cool that we've, we've kind of, we've got this song and another song that we're going to release in May that are, they're kind of maybe not the, the, in the box traditional choice that they would say a new artist should choose for radio, but they just mean so much to us. So it's, a good storytelling part of our journey, I think, to to have them. And then with this one, I also wanted to put it out on Earth Day um, because we just feel that kind of celebrating what the ocean and and what nature can do for us, um, just so that people keep it pristine and want to keep the, the ocean and the coastline something that people can also become inspired about because I think you know, if we don't keep those those places, um, you know, dear to our hearts and, and look out and protect our coastlines and just nature and, and in general, it's, you know, where will it go for our future generations? Will they be able to look out at the ocean and feel that amazing relief that we feel? Or will they look out and see a bunch of garbage? Mm-hmm. So that was that was where we kind of tied it to um, Earth Day was uh putting it all together with the healing of the, the earth and yourself. And so that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully that long, that long winded answer. It's very, no, I love it. I love it. That's good. You should have your own talk show. Uh, joining us on the Kelly Alexander show are the heels of Bobby, Brittany and Kyla. And uh, make sure you check out their website, uh, the for all of their social media handles. I wanted to ask you um, with regards to releasing Holy coast. And again, it, it's super catchy, like the chorus. So it, again, I love that it's a socially conscious song because it makes you think, but then it's also like this kind of uh, like, I wouldn't say obviously a foot stomper, but it's there. You know what I mean? Like you, you totally get into it. So coming up, like, are you going to, do you think it's part of your uh, characteristics to maybe release more uh, socially conscious songs as things move on? Like, and uh, along with the love songs, along with the fun songs? Probably. Yeah. We like, we like to write songs that mean a lot to us and uh, share that with people. Yeah. Perfect. I think this one, um, it's just, it's, it's nice to have contrast to those songs that are like, you know, all about, feeling good even though you know maybe you're broken that was sort of the theme of love heals and now we've got these other songs to kind of complement that that show like a softer side of us yeah now i have to talk to you guys about your harmonies because they're awesome and uh when i listen to the songs i keep thinking i should be the fourth member of the group it doesn't work out but i i sing along (laughs) in the car uh how like how how hard is it for you guys to harmonize or how like because you you guys nail it like you really you should be proud of yourselves yeah, thanks. I don't think it's very hard. Like, I feel like we all kind of start singing something and grab the harmony and it just comes naturally. Yeah, that's usually how we pick parts. Okay. Um, for me, when I first started singing with the girls, I didn't, I, I had never really sung harmonies, but Kyla and uh, Brittany, they grew up singing harmonies and um, like Kyla is classically trained in musical theater and has done choir for years and years. And then Brittany sang harmonies in her dad's band and then in her band with her sister. So for me, I was probably the one that was the most new to it and yeah. I felt overwhelmed by it. And cause you're a solo artist. Yeah. So, so yeah, but now it's, it's like something musically just changes in your ear and you just, all of a sudden you can just hear it. And so then you can hear other parts and uh, you know, 
versus just being like you're trying to learn a part. Now you can hear, oh, maybe I'll sing this part or that part. I'm in the studio. Yeah. You can just try out a whole bunch of different things and then see what sounds yeah, like Holy Coast, we did our own choir at the end. Yeah, <laughs> we wanted to have a choir sound, so we just recorded ourselves singing and and their producer. We all got in the vocal booth together and sang in different voices. Yeah, <laughs> and tried not to laugh. Yeah, tried not to sound like ourselves. We tried to sound like like we were like different maybe people. seventy years old. <laughs> we tried to sound like we were like six years old, <laughs> like a big group, wide range of people. Oh my god! Yeah, we wanted to sound like a church choir. <laughs> Brittany, I want to know how a seventy-year-old sounds. Can you? do that <laughs> oh that was was not you <laughs> <Wash> away <laughs> oh my god that's awesome <laughs> oh my god that's great now i know i've cut you guys after you've just landed in nashville so i super appreciate that you guys made the time to do uh, to do the interview i wanted to speak about nashville though so are you there to write like new songs new album what's going on in nashville yeah yeah we'll be writing lots yeah we've got a new album uh set for 2020 so we've got singles that will come out this year that we wrote the last time we were in Nashville and uh, and now we're working on all the rest. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. And what does Nashville, do you think, bring to the heels? Uh, definitely a different vibe. Like, the last time we were here, we wrote some, I'd say a majority of the songs we wrote were very Southern um, inspired. Like, mm-hmm. like kind of that, um, even like a Southern, almost rockabilly blues mm-hmm. kind of um, a different side of us, but it felt really like natural at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Even like some gospel influences yeah. in there, similar to Holy Coast. Holy Coast for us, we also had that Marin Morris, my church idea. Yeah. We wanted something that was like you said, like Feels you good. can stomp to, but also it's like that, you know, that big anthem chorus. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. But so playing with different sounds down here because there's so many different songwriters um, from all around. Mm-hmm. that right here and it's, and it's just so inspiring I feel like when you're driving around and there's these billboards that are you know here's this person who wrote this number one yeah, song it's all and, about the writers down here which yeah. is so cool and it's cool to hear people's stories like um, the, the Bluebird Cafe just posted that video on their Instagram of, of Marin Morris and when she first wrote My Church and to just see how one song can change someone's life so drastically so everybody's looking for that song. That's <laughs> true. And uh, do you think you guys will ever fully move to Nashville or you're, you're good to kind of fly in and fly out? Um, I think we've, we've definitely thought about it. Yeah. Um, there's times it. where we would, we'd obviously love to spend more time here. So mm-hmm. see, see what happens. But every time we come home to the West coast and we see the ocean, we're mm-hmm. like, Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, so, so I guess the goal would be to come back and forth as much as possible. Yeah. Have like a, a house Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, well, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, uh, with regards to your fans and all that, where is the best place for them to follow you? Or is it the is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? Where do you want people to, to grab you? I think Instagram is what we use the most. Instagram yeah. and Facebook. We share everything to all the platforms, but I feel like we're we're very active on Instagram. Yeah. Um, That's the heels music. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, ladies, it's no surprise that I love you profusely. So continued success. You're welcome back on the show anytime. We and love you. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to and, and like come to Montreal. That's the biggest my big yeah, request. Yes, yes. So the Heels, thank you so much. Again, make sure to check out their website for all of their social media handle, theheelsmusic.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us now is our music editor Sharon Highland, and today's hot topic, as I steal something from the view, is gonna be the return <laughs> of uh, Taylor Swift, who recently dropped a new 
new single called Me featuring Panic at the Disco's Brandon Yuri. So, uh, Sharona, uh, first of all, when uh, when Taylor decides that she is coming back to the music scene, she always has, I would say, like this coordinated attack. In this case, she uh, she teased the new music for, I want to say, like a week or two at the very least. Then she appeared on the uh, NFL draft, which happened to be in Nashville this year. So that all ties into who she is. And because then Kevin says football like Taylor Swift. Exactly. Tailgate party Taylor. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, then she's uh, performing on the Billboard Music Awards, which uh, obviously that has been well in the works, you know, well before they they announced that she was going to do that, right? So, so she's always sort of planning these these attacks. Uh, do you think she's at the top of the list when it comes to uh, knowing what she needs to do? Because her machine, her career is a machine, I would say, and so is Beyonce's. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think that you can't go into anything unprepared. So uh, she happens to err on the side of. Uh, maybe over-calculation, but it's not over-calculated in a bad way because it obviously works. It's true. And uh, with regards to the new song itself, what do you think about it? Because this time she didn't come back as a solo single. She actually collaborated with, uh, with like I said, Brandon Urie from uh, Panic! at the Disco. Well, I maintain that <laughs> while Taylor Swift bugs me at awards shows, <laughs> the, way she, the way it always seems like, I didn't know I was going to win. Yes, you did. We all did. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, she writes an amazing song. Like, she's very talented, and she can sing, and I think that she's proven herself very capable in those videos where she covers other people's songs, and she's doing that on acoustic guitar. She's very capable. So I think it's probably, in my estimation, the most important uh, element of the equation for her success, because... You know, far far beyond any promo or any hype or whatever, you have to have something to rest on. And and sh- and because she's such a solid songwriter, she's going to be fine. Where it comes maybe in the overdo it category is um, is that that calculated uh, approach to promo. But like I said, it works. So it's maybe it's for now as she evolves as an artist, as a songwriter, as uh, a someone who's making music for the masses, will her masses change? Will they mature? Will they require such heavy promo, such heavy calculation? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because having, I mean, the video's fresh in my mind. It strikes me as very Taylor Swift <laughs> with a side order of Easter. Yeah, very pastel. <laughs> it is. like, And it's, it's you know, I mean, if we're going to rip it apart technically and dissect it that way, it's very pleasing to the eye. It's catchy. The song is catchy. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's picked uh, Brendan to be her uh, co-host, not co-host, I was all wrapped up in the view comment, uh, <laughs> her, uh, her co-star in this uh, promotional vehicle uh, is uh, also very smart. They work well together and they sound nice together. And so the visual along with the audio works, but... It works because I think she's a, a good songwriter. So I really hope that as she grows as an artist that she um, focuses a lot more on that. So Taylor actually turns 30 in December, December 13th God, for her Swifties. How I know, does right? that make me? I know, right? We're not going to count. <laughs> but what do you think? So do you think that she will, because yeah, she's coming into that zone where 
Um, I mean, she's always going to have, I think, a wide demographic of fans from from young kids that might discover her because of their big sister or their aunt or whatever it is. And then her fans that have been with her that are similar in age to her and all that kind of stuff. And then I think there's people that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s that probably actually enjoy her because she's just a lot of fun. So do you think, though, as she she delves into her 30s that she might make a return to country music? Like, what do you where do you think she she's headed? Um, honestly, and again, prefacing it with I'm not her biggest fan, mm-hmm. meaning I meaning I like what she's doing and I've made that clear. But I am not her target demographic. That's for sure. I I really do think she can do anything. Okay. I re- like if she returns to country, that's great, mm-hmm. and I think that she probably should. Think of um, Shania Twain when she did the Up album a few yep. years back. Mm-hmm. She did two versions of it. She did a more countrified version and a more mainstream pop version. And and for the listener, it's enjoyable. She didn't charge anymore. It was just what you got when you bought the album. But it satisfies, that's, it's a, that's a smart promotional move because then you have the same songs that you can play on, on different radio formats and it works and it's subtle. It's true. Um, I think that Taylor Swift does not have to focus on any one particular genre um, because she, I think that the strength of her abilities will will ultimately get her where she needs to be. I really believe it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that out of all of the um, pop artists that are really killing it these days, like Beyonce, Justin Timberlake, herself, Ariana Grande, uh, you know, Justin Bieber will be back, that's for sure. Do you, like, is she the most long-lasting, do you think? Like, do you think she she will be fine into her 70s doing what she's doing? Okay. I, I think, again, she can do whatever she wants. And at this point, she's amassed such a great fortune for herself that she doesn't have to ever work again but i don't think that people that make art are necessarily doing it for the fortune so that's why they keep going also true uh thank you for this and we're happy to have you back on the show we've missed you it's a pleasure thanks for having me that is our music director sharon highland make sure you check out the podcast 90s now that both sharon and i co-host together it's a little bit of 90s a little bit of now and a whole lot of fun you can find us on all the major podcast platforms like spotify itunes stitcher radio and google play the kelly alexander show bringing you fresh sounds like this baby doll when it comes to a lover i promise that you'll never find another like me Taylor Swift definitely knows how to craft a serious pop song. This is her latest release called Me. She teased it for weeks before its release, and now it is here. And of course, it makes you want to sing, it makes you want to hum to it, and it's going to be an earworm all day long. We cannot wait to find out what the name of her new album's going to be and when it's going to be released. They love when you fall, but hate when you fly, man, ain't that some timing? So let me remind you, no parachute on me now. I can fly you for free. Artist Sunreal, who hails from Vernon, British Columbia, is back with a brand new single called Parachute, and I'm excited to play this new track for you. Sunreal, by the way, has had some great success in Canada with songs like Can I Get a Witness, Problems, and Have a Nice Day. Sunreal, as you can tell, has a unique voice, and on this song, it's very laid back and rides the instrumentation perfectly. Sunreal is releasing his Aaron EP on May the 10th. I live my life like a bullet in a gun, Patience is done, oh no Don't try to hustle me So don't hustle me Don't hustle me Pink is dressed
dropped an entire new album, and this is amazing news considering she's been on tour for at least a year, so we actually have no idea how she found the time to get this recorded, but she did. The album is called Hurts to Be Human, and she's getting a lot of support not only from her fans but critics alike, saying this is one of her most personal albums yet. The song you're listening to is called Hustle. I think it's got a great vibe, sounds different than what is out there in Popland these days. And don't forget that Pink has collaborations on this new album as well. Khalid and Chris Stapleton pay a visit. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Don't forget that you can subscribe to The Kelly Alexander Show on major podcast platforms like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. Canadian Musician Magazine is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, and we're very happy to welcome its founder, Jim Norris, to The Kelly Alexander Show. The magazine has been a staple in the Canadian music industry, featuring notable Canadian artists like Brian Adams, Tegan and Sarah, The Arkells, Three Days Grace, and the list goes on and on. Jim, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. So, Jim, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the, uh, the magazine, I actually just wanted to ask you how you got your start in the music industry. Oh uh, boy, that's a tough one. I, I was originally a musician, that's probably where it started, and played uh, professionally for a number of years, then worked in the magazine business uh, in other areas, and then uh, kind of combined my backgrounds of music and publishing, and then started uh, Canadian Musician in 1979. And when you started the magazine, was it ju- just yourself, or did you have a little bit of a team around you? Uh, it wasn't much of a team, it was myself and one other person, Kathy Whitney. And, and we, we were it. We were in a very small office in Toronto, and it was actually part-time for the first uh, eight months, I think it was. And when you actually um, decided to launch the magazine, what was your goal, and, and what was the biggest challenges you faced initially in 1979? Uh, well, the goal was, was uh, I guess, to inform musicians and also just to connect them, because Canada is a big country with with no people in it, so a lot of musicians are kind of off on their own somewhere. There's no internet in those days, and a lot of communication tools we have now didn't exist. So um, it it was tough if you were in uh, Lethbridge or somewhere trying to be part of the whole industry. And then also in those days as well, there was just no source of information. Very few schools that taught any of these things, um, not even a lot of books. I mean, there just wasn't much of anything. And uh, so that was kind of it, you know, inform in and, and connect, I guess, were the two parts. Um, challenges, all kinds of normal business challenges. But I think one of the ones was the caution of Canadians. Um, our initial response from advertisers was, was all from the United States because Americans love Canada and love to, to do business here. Um, a lot of the Canadian companies initial, initially were very cautious and just said, well, you can't do this. And uh, if this was a good idea, somebody else would have done it before. And then over time, that changed, of course. But that was that was a lot of the challenge. And then I guess some of it, too, is just being naive about uh, launching a business and a magazine and just having a plan of how things were supposed to go. And, of course, they don't always go that way. How quickly did uh, readers latch on to, to what you were producing, Jim? Um, it was pretty quick. We were on the... You know, we were on the newsstands right away, so we had pretty good distribution there. And we were in musical instrument and record stores, and we're still on all of those in all those places. And then we had, uh, you know, we, we'd done some promotion for subscriptions ahead of time. I don't even remember how we did that in those days, but so we did have, you know, uh, subscribers right from the first issue. And then uh, 
it just you know built over time of course you know that being what 16 years before the internet it, it was a lot harder in those days to get get it out there but we had also we had some good coverage from news media as well because I, I do remember we sent out a press release and we did get some coverage uh, that the magazine had been launched through newspapers radio uh, you know, TV, that type of thing. What were some of the things that you've uh, you did, I guess, back in the day? We'll say, and, and some of the things you continue to do to uh, try to be a standout from other music publications that are out there. Um, boy, that's a tough one. I mean, we're very focused on musicians, so we don't really compete with strict music magazines, I guess. So our content isn't fan oriented, and that makes it different. So it's it's useful, it's serious. It, you know, it's for musicians and industry people. And, you know, we very much focus on the the quality of the content, you know, making sure it's thoroughly researched and checked out and written well and that it's uh, we use proper grammar and all those those things that have seems to have disappeared in a lot of ways. And we do the same thing online. We treat it just as seriously as we do in print. So we make sure that it's it's just done well. And, you know, some publications don't, and a lot of online stuff, unfortunately, isn't for a variety of reasons, but a lot of it is just not necessarily well-written or well-researched or, or uh, you know, old-fashioned things like spelling and grammar. So we've always focused on that and try and keep up with what our readers want. You know, we're constantly doing that. We're at a lot of events, you know, shows and conferences, so we try and get out there and talk to the the musicians a lot as well and then of course nowadays we get tons of emails and and online input as well. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Jim Norris, who launched Canadian Musician Magazine back in 1979. They are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. Make sure to check out their website, canadianmusician.com. Jim, you mentioned internet stuff, and I just kind of wanted to touch upon that because as you and I both know, I know the newspaper industry has been having so much trouble the last several years because of the way um, readers are consuming their news these days, so a lot of publications aren't even doing that anymore. How have you managed to keep both angles uh, angles happening like is it a concerted effort constantly to make sure uh, it's working on all fronts that that's true and we you know we're known as an early adapter we were using email in 1982 when nobody even had email and we launched our first websites in 1995 so we've you know we've been online uh, for a long time um, we also have a digital edition um, that you know comes out when the regular magazine comes out so people can subscribe that way or buy single copies that way as well we have uh, uh, we do webinars we have a, a podcast called Canadian Musician Radio um, which which airs well it doesn't really air but it comes out every Wednesday and we have an electronic newsletter as well with thousands of subscribers and then the, the key with all of that um, is making sure that it all works together and that's where a lot of uh, companies and I guess media fail is that they've they have these different elements in some cases but they don't work well together in both directions and that's that's really the the key to it and making sure that the the quality of the branding and all of those things are are consistent no matter where it is and and a lot of uh, panic about the internet uh, and it's like any new medium when it comes out there's there's an adjustment and there always is when television came out a lot of people said well that's the end of radio nobody's going to listen to radio anymore and and we're what 60 years later and people are still listening to radio and and with the internet same thing that's the end of everything else well it's not true it's not true at all you know it's it's uh it's a competitor in some cases but most 
smart media have embraced it and included in everything else they do. And, uh, you know, as, as a marketer, anybody that's marketing certainly should be using every medium that they can afford to get to their customers because people consume things a lot of different ways. Uh, one of the most important things in the last 10 years, I guess, is just the number of people that are uh, consuming online material on mobile phones. So that's a really important aspect of it now. It's it's well over 50% of people that uh, retrieve their email on a phone and even accessing websites. They've all got to be, everything's got to be mobile friendly. Jim, I'm super impressed with how you are aware of everything because I, I think you should be giving seminars to a lot of young businesses that are cropping up because I think a lot of people don't pay attention to the details and the fact that, like you said, you want to make sure that your spelling and grammar is okay on all platforms and the fact that you, like, yeah, that, that, that it's important that uh, it's mobile friendly for people to reach your site and, and reach your information. I think that's fantastic. And I wanted to ask you, too, um, with regards to the people who are consuming uh, the content that you're putting out there, I know it's called Canadian Music Magazine, but I'm sure you have a lot of fans and followers worldwide. Uh, yes, we do. We uh, The print edition goes all over the place, and we attend a lot of uh, trade shows. So we, we attend several trade shows in the United States all the time, and magazine is distributed there. There's a show called the NAM Show in January, which is the largest musical instrument show in the world. So we distribute copies there. And now, of course, with the... Uh, with the digital edition, we have subscribers there everywhere because it doesn't really matter where they are. And it's amazing how many people around the world are interested in Canadian music. Even our uh, our Facebook page, um, we've got, uh, I think, well over 40,000 likes. And pretty good percentage of those are not Canadian, which is interesting. Um, uh, and and it's, it's true with our podcast. It's true with everything. A lot of people like Canadian artists, and, and they... They like Canada, so we get a lot of uh, attraction from all over the world. As someone who's been in the Canadian uh, music industry for so many years, what's your take on the current situation now? Because I know we have you know, so many amazing artists that are doing well worldwide, and I'll just sort of name out a few. Obviously, Celine Dion is a mainstay. You know, The weekend is now up, in, uh, up there. Uh, Justin Bieber for several years. Uh, Drake, obviously, they almost seem to be at the, the, top, or ep- the, the top of the of the ladder, if you will. What do you think it is about Canadian artists that, that seem to resonate worldwide um boy that's a that's a tough one um because the ones you named are also different like drake is now the number one selling artist in the world um he he, a while ago he beat all the beatles records on the charts from the the 60s and you know each one of them is different but the thing that's interesting is is in other countries especially united states the people there don't really know that these artists are canadian and and don't really care Uh, rush certainly is not really known outside of Canada as a Canadian artist. It's just great music that people love. I think Drake is the same thing. The fan doesn't really care where anybody's from. They love the music or they don't. And it's so accessible around the world now on, you know, the the streaming services and everything else. So, so you know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, I guess, but it's such a variety of music here. And we're we're such a multicultural uh, country as well, which I think helps. So you get a lot of different influences and a lot of different styles of music. Um, and it, it just seems to resonate everywhere. But it's, you know, you get varying things saying it's worse than it's ever been. And it's just not true. Um, you know, uh, CD sales are still fairly strong. Streaming is doing exceptionally well. Um, live music is doing very well. But it's the same as anything, you know, uh, the, the artists have to get some business sense somewhere. That's the thing they're lacking the most. And they have to be persistent, uh, never say die. 
and work really hard. Um, my band days was the hardest I worked in my entire career. It's just difficult, but you know, you have to be prepared to do all that if you want to be successful. And then the main thing is it just takes a long time. It, it usually takes 10 years to be an overnight success. There's kind of a pattern of that. So it's it's not usually going to happen right away. What's your take, too? I wanted to ask you this, Jim. A lot of my audience is, is from the States and, and overseas as well. And, and uh, again, you mentioned off the top how our country is very big, uh, very wide, not a lot of people in it. So a lot of the bands and artists really, if they want to do well in Canada, have to slog it out, you know, many miles uh, in buses and vans uh, between towns. And, and you know, they, they're, they're road dogs right across Canada, and they do it several times, uh, you know, every year, it, it seems like. What's your thoughts on the hardy Canadian? musician who's slogging back and forth uh, like even the young the young ones that are you know sort of up and coming like the Scott Hellmans of the world Rhea May who back and forth back and forth they go um, yeah it's a lot tougher because you know if you're in the United States if you're let's say northeastern United States you've got uh, 150 million people and there's there's venues every I mean you could just drive and and go to venues everywhere uh, there's colleges there's universities there's clubs there's concert halls and it's so compressed compared to here uh, southern Ontario, uh, southern Quebec, lower, you know, lower BC, there's quite a bit of activity. But when you get into the prairies, uh, it's a little ways between venues, and especially northern Ontario. And when I was a musician, the booking agents seemed to love to send us up to Thunder Bay in the winter. <laughs> I, I really don't guess that they knew where Thunder Bay was. They just thought it was maybe north of Barry somewhere, but but uh, yeah, you've got to get through all that and horrible weather and bad conditions and usually in a in a in a van that barely works. So so it's it's tough and, and dangerous in some cases as well. But that's what you gotta do. You gotta get out there and play and, and then, you know, as well there's Nowadays, it's much easier to find out where your markets are. Sometimes your best market for your music might not even be Canada. It just might work out that it's England or Germany or Japan or the United States. And and nowadays, it's pretty easy to figure that out in a hurry. And then, you know, um, you've, you've got to go to those places and play there, whether, it, you know, there's a... There, there's a uh, there's some bands that have done that themselves when they booked European tours or gone wherever they have to go. So you don't have to just stay in Canada. It's, it's a big world and it's global. Um, cost of travel is probably less than it's ever been. Uh, cost of, uh, well, certainly with the internet, you've got email and all of that. Um, cost of uh, using your cell phone anywhere is almost nothing nowadays. So in a lot of ways, the cost of touring is, is less than it ever was. With things like Travago, you can go on and get incredible hotel rates anywhere. So there, there's a lot of advantages. But, you know, you got to go out and build a following the hard way. And that's sometimes that's one night at a time in front of 10 people and then know that it's going to take time. Looking forward to uh, the future, what do you want us to know about where Canadian Music Magazine is headed? Basically, just, you know, getting to more people, uh, you know, more useful information, I guess, uh, more online reach. So, like, the kind of things we've been doing, but but more of it. You know, we're doing a lot more online uh, education nowadays, a lot of webinars. So, we want to, we want to increase that um, because, it's, you know, some of the things you were talking about, we do a lot online. like to do more uh, live events as well. 
Um, we have from time to time, time done seminars on a lot of these topics, and it's just sometimes hard to find the time to do them. But I'd definitely like to do more than that because there's, there's, uh, you know, there's lots to be said for doing it live in person. That's amazing. Well, we wish you all the best, uh, Jim, and it's been so so great to speak to you. I'm I'm a fan of your magazine, and uh, it's just great to have you on the show and, and wishing you continued success into the future, that's for sure. Thank you very much. That's Jim Norris of Canadian Musician Magazine. Make sure to check out their website, canadianmusician.com. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it, and a big shout-out to our guests, The Heels and Jim Norris. Of course, my thanks going out to our amazing producer, Adam Brisson, and don't forget that you can follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website kellyalexandershow.com we'd also love for you to check out our newsletter tinyletter.com slash kellyalexandershow have an amazing week you and i'll chat soon